Hello, everybody, and welcome to your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast about AEW Dynamite. Yes, folks, welcome back to the Wednesday Night Skirmish, brought to you by the PWC. Who the hell's the PWC? Well, to start with, that's me, your host, Christopher Ams. That's A-M-B-S, like lambs with no L, or bullshit first thing in the morning. If you ever forget how to spell my name, don't worry, I'll just remind you at the beginning of every show. Joining me tonight is my unquestionably questionable co-host in the room, always bringing the boom. He's the gardener of doom, the one and only Jeff Lippman. Jeff, you're not Jimmy. <laughs> Thankfully, no. Yeah, uh, I'm not Jimmy. Um, I'm not a wombat in disguise. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where, you know, Jimmy's still MIA or, you know, maybe he got sucked into that inner earth vortex. You know what I think? It's it's all those koalas that he defamed and slandered. I, I think they found him and tracked him down. But yeah, right. but, but we're gonna yeah, we we're, were gonna we carry were, on. We were talking earlier, and we were both coming up with our own, you know, uh, our own conspiracy theories about what might have happened to our to our Australian friend. And somehow all of them, you know, all of them came back to the whole Australia thing. I I had suggested that maybe he and D, um, you know, had a tragic accident in a in a you know kangaroo pit diving accident um or that maybe uh some a, a, a rabid pack of dingoes accidentally thought that they were someone that they, they that they were you know someone's baby um i, I don't know i don't know where jimmy is i miss him jimmy i hope you're doing okay buddy if you ever hear this um and please you know come back to us in one piece we miss you bud yeah, so folks, if you're listening and you're missing the music and the funny noises and and sounds like the the dun dun and yeah and all all of those things, well, that that's why you're not getting them. But you're also not getting the 25 minute intros and the 25 minute outros. So uh, hopefully you appreciate that. And this show, unlike the last two shows, are not solo shows, so you don't have to put up with me doing solo shows. And believe me, folks, no one hates hearing me do a solo show more than me. I appreciate you doing it, Jeff, because I, you know, like when, when, when we signed up to do the PWC, like my, my one caveat was, I don't want to do WWE shows. I don't want to do it. I I don't, I, I, um, I gotta tell you, you know, this week they, uh, um, big Ray Hernandez over at HMG, he, um, he basically, I think that he had like a, it was his, uh, his wedding anniversary this weekend yeah. or something. He had mm -hmm. something big going on. So he, he wasn't able to do the uh, next, uh, the next level podcast. So I got to do the next level podcast today. And uh, I, that meant that yesterday I had to watch NXT for two hours and oh my God, you do that every week, Jeff. I do. Yeah, uh, I do. But I usually watch it the day after, so it's at my leisure, and I, I watch NXT differently than I watch other shows. Mm -hmm. um, but I watch the Next Level uh, podcast. I so I watched it on Twitter, which directed me to YouTube. But nonetheless, and and in fact, I was able to see my favorite podcaster acknowledge you were his favorite podcaster. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Awesome. And there was some other guy there too, and then and then someone podcast bombed in, in, in the middle. <laughs> Brandon was there, yes, and then Colin showed up um, because we were on the, we were on the feed, and they needed the feed for the A show, so we were we were uh, sort of told to hurry up and get the hell out uh -huh. of there. 
Um, yeah, but it was good. It was, uh, I had a lot of fun on there. I always have fun with that. And, uh, I find Brandon to be really insightful when he speaks up. He doesn't, I, I find Brandon's one of those guys who maybe he doesn't talk enough on the podcasts. Cause when he, when he does have something to say, like, I, I think I actually quoted what he had said on his Facebook and it was like, I really liked that. I really thought that what he said was, was a really interesting thing about how, you know, watching NXT kind of made him feel like, fuck, do I even like wrestling anymore? And, uh, <laughs> That's uh, um, I, I like, I like NXT, but it's a different kind of product, but, uh, yeah, I, you see, I've not seen him before. I, you know, I see Ray and the vet. So I just figured he was the producer. And so, since he's the producer, he probably doesn't really want to talk that much. I, I wasn't realizing that, that he is normally an on-air personality. Yeah, it could be, too, that he's more of a producer. I, I don't, I've, I've been on some shows with him before, and he's always a little a little quiet. But maybe he does that on purpose so that we can get through the shows. Um, anyway, yeah, Brandon, if you happen to be listening to the skirmish, um, talk more. Sh- share more of your opinions, man. I actually think that you're... You're pretty brilliant when it comes to this wrestling stuff. Well, well this you just you just waste an opportunity to say, "Let's go, Brandon." <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon. Got to love Read that. Read into that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun today, and I'm happy I got to do that. But. Um, Let's uh let's talk about let's talk about the world of pro wrestling and we'll bring up the couple of things that we that I brought up today on the next level. Um actually, sure. I'm, I I want to start with something that I didn't bring up on the next level podcast and that was um Hulk Hogan was recently interviewed and he said that a lot of wrestlers today look like they should be bagging his groceries. Jeff, you were on with me last week. Did I not literally say that Adam Cole looks like he should be bagging my groceries? Did I not literally say that? You you use those exact words, yes. And I actually Terry, the... are you listening? Terry, if you're listening, you can come on anytime you want, eh? Do you want Terry or do you want Hulk? Because you know they're two different people. Yeah, let's let's bring let's bring Terry because I'd like to talk to Terry about why he's racist. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I'd rather have Hulk on. But um uh, but I actually heard his entire quote. And of course, that's the snippet that gets headlines. And, and me, I am an avowed sizes. So I agree with the quote, period, alone, no context. But if yes. you actually listen to the entirety of what he said, he said nothing wrong. He, I mean, he, he said that there's that there are big guys today. There's also some smaller guys. And a lot of them are so athletic. And they do so much. Like, you know, they do more in one match than he did in a year. You know, but for what? And and said but that some of them are so talented. And you know, I mean, you know, if people listen to the whole quote and take away the negative equity you have towards Terry Bollea, which he's earned. I'm not trying to say he hasn't earned it. You know, <laughs> every last drop of it. Um, there's really nothing wrong with what he's what he said in the whole context. And again, me as a devoted sizist, I'm okay with the with the clickbait. Uh, quote as well yeah no i i found myself being kind of frustrated at how much i agreed with him you know as a brett guy right like as a brett guy i'm not allowed to like hulk hogan at all (laughs) um so no but honestly i I read that quote and i just thought yeah good for him i I hope he says more i i hope i hope we get whole articles and i hope hulk hogan gets a job working for WrestleNomics, where he can just write articles every week about what's wrong with the current era of professional wrestling. Because 
maybe some of these fucking kids would listen to Hulk Hogan. Like <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous to say, maybe someone would listen to Hulk Hogan about pro wrestling. Like as much as you're right. I mean, he's earned a lot of the vitriol that comes his way. He's still fucking Hulk Hogan. Like yeah, no, if you're going to listen to the man about professional wrestling, that's probably an okay guy to listen to. Yeah, if Hulk Hogan didn't come around when he came around, and, and yes, it had to do with them, the people of Rocky Three casting him, and Vince McMahon stealing him away from AWA, and you know, and Vern Gagne botching his booking. There's a million but fours. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan in the '80s, there probably would be no professional wrestling today. Or if there was, it would be you know, like little territories, and you know, on you know, two o'clock in the morning on your local, you know, Fox or WB network, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, and it would be crap if it, would if it be existed. even more niche than it is. Right. It would. It, it, there'd be real life dark side of the rings every day. Right. Yeah. Because it would be dark, very mm-hmm. dark. Um, all right. Well, let's see what else. CM Punk is back this week. Um, they've announced him having a match and I honestly think that him having a match is the wrong way to go. I just, uh, as much as I'm happy that they're getting into something with him and it looks like he may be feuding with Jay White, which at least that's fresh. At least that's something interesting. At least that's something different. Um, See, that's what you're getting from? I I think he's going to be feuding with Samoa Joe. I think that Bullet Club Gold is going to be feuding with FDR. I think that's where they're going with it. I I, I guess that's a possibility, too. I, that's just very done. I mean, it's been done before, right? Like, this is an old ROH feud that happened 15, 20 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think the best use of CM Punk is like tonight. So, so tonight there was a, a video package of, of, you know, that he's coming back in Chicago and he, it said like what all of us want to hear from CM Punk. He said, I have a lot to say. I have a lot to get off my chest. There was a, you know, they, they did a shot of him, you know, uh, sitting, you know, cross-legged in the middle of the ring, which obviously harkens back to the, um, the pipe bomb. And I just thought like, that's what we all want to see from CM Punk, at least on week one. We want CM mm-hmm. Punk to come back and be like, hey, <laughs> here's what's going on, right? And then somebody can come out at the end of it or whatever and interrupt them or or something, right? And then you can start with a feud. But I don't know. It's just something about the fact that they're starting with him in a six-man match, especially against somebody like Samoa Joe. It just seems like they're already not making the best use out of him that they could. It's a strange choice. And I know that FDR are his buddies. And I know that he hasn't wrestled for a while. He's coming off an injury. So they probably want to protect him and help him get some ring rust off, you know, on live TV. So I get that. I don't mind it so much. I just, I just don't think it, it feels like a very important match. It doesn't, you can, you can hype yourself into believing that it's a main event. It could be a main event if there were like two or three weeks of feuds or interactions between these relative parties. And then this headlined a TV show. Um, I don't think that it is, but I mean, I think that there, there's, uh, this is a failure of leadership going way back when to even before the, the media scrum, but I don't think they can give him the open mic because 
everybody wants to hear him talk about things that he's not supposed to be talking about. And he's probably agreed not to talk about. And the whole reason they have this other show is so that the parties that aren't supposed to be talking about it and talking to each other don't have to see each other and acknowledge each other and talking about. So this is what they've decided to do. And yes, they're hearkening back to a feud from, I mean, literally like, uh, not literally this might be, anyway, about two or three days ago, there's a Twitter site. It's an official site, uh, ring of honor history. And they showed 19 years ago today, CM Punk faced Samoa Joe, you know, for the first time or something. So it was 19 years ago, this rivalry started, and it probably ended some four or five years later. So 15 to 20 years ago, you're basically right on. Um, I, they've done a lot of hearkening to the, to the back and pretending it's still an existing story. Um, I don't know. I, I am, I'm more concerned about the lack of ticket sales. I'm more concerned about the, the crowd reactions when they would say CM Punk's name and they're announcing CM Punk live and on video, it's been very mixed. I'm not a CM Punk guy. I'm not even really an AEW guy, but I, I, but I think the wrestling world is better with AEW in it than, than it not being there. Um, Yes. Just because I think they do a lot of things wrong and, and they could have been what they promised to be and they're not. And I'm bitter about that. And I am a bitter bitch about that. Um, It's, it's still better with them than without but uh, I don't know. They, they did at least announce what more or less seems like the full card for Collision. And, it, you know, listen, it it's a pretty good episode. If this was a card for a Dynamite, you know, t- two years ago, you'd be like, eh, good card. You know, uh, you know, or, or and there'd be people saying stat card, but but it's not like extraordinary. You have Miro in action, well, where we've heard that before every week about Hobbs um, <laughs> and every three months when they figure out what they're going to do with him. You've got Willow and Sky Blue versus the Outcasts. Um, Who cares? Exactly. Set up tonight. There's uh, the the six man match that you mentioned. Um, I, I can't think of El- what El- Andrade is facing somebody. Um, so you and, know, uh, it, Wardlow versus Luchasaurus for the TNT right. title. Okay, and that you know that that's a match that has a story that's been built for a while. Um, so okay. The card's good. If this was a dynamite, you'd say it's a stacked dynamite. Is this a good card for collision? I guess so. Is this their best foot forward? I would say even though this is a good card, if this is their best foot forward, that's probably not a great sign because this is a good dynamite. But this this is supposed to be event appointment TV on a Saturday night, which is a tough television slot. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch and see. But uh, I'd be worried that the... At least they announced a card, and so people, are, you know, in, in other cities are getting an idea of what they might be getting, and maybe they'll buy some tickets. But the response from the AEW live crowds to to the mention of CM Punk has been more polarizing than I than I than the skeptic in me could have hoped. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The the, but I don't know. Sometimes I really honestly wonder, like, if this crowd is sometimes. The, what can I say about this? Sometimes I really wonder if this crowd is reacting the way that they think they're supposed to more than they actually are how they feel. Um, I, I don't know if that if that really makes sense to, to people listening, but 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 that's sort of how I feel they react to things on this show. Is like I think that they really want to cheer MJF, but they know they're not supposed to, so they boo him. 
And I think that there's a lot of people in that crowd who are very excited for the possibility of CM Punk making a return, but they know they're not supposed to, so they boo him. Um, I personally think that him coming back and taking the microphone and just saying, listen, he like, I mean, he's got to put it in his own words, obviously, but him basically just saying, listen, I'm on a vendetta against this company, this company, you know, it's run by a bunch of idiots and et cetera, et cetera. Like, I honestly think that that is a money angle in professional wrestling today. I I think that you have to, when you have a situation like what they have with CM Punk, you have to be willing to walk the line. And if you're not, you're not going to make any money because, Where you make your money in professional wrestling is in those moments. It's in those moments where people who are watching, who know better, go, oh, but I think this part might be real. And if you can create that in professional wrestling in 2023, you are a very, very good writer. Um, And I think that they have an opportunity to do that here. And I just... I don't think they're going to, and it makes me very sad as a wrestling fan. Uh, I already spoken that a little bit, but I think the uh, related problem is that the second most important guy in that company, arguably, is MJF, and that's already his gimmick. I hate the promoter. I, you know, uh, I'm contractually bound to be here. I'm not taking this stupid match of Forbidden Door. Meanwhile, ten minutes later, you see it on the Chiron that the match. Yeah. Is- official so i you know i i don't know what i missed in between that to to, to make it happen but apparently it's happening anyway but that's already his gimmick and i think that you're right that the wrestling fans sometimes react that the way they think they're supposed to the seth rollins theme being one of them singing jericho adam cole baby i mean there, there there's a lot of it but i think that cm punk was the one thing that was I think the thing about CM Punk is that the CM Punk fans and those wrestling fans thought that there was something pure and unsullied and uncorruptible in him. And that's why he left wrestling, because he was not corruptible. And now I think a lot of people saw, yeah, he's just like another guy. He's just he's just a dick. And maybe he gave us some good memories, but now now he's a dick. So and and so there's some of those and there's some that are still like everything. Yes, CM Punk. We love CM Punk. We will always love CM Punk. And then you've got your core AEW fan, and I'm going to say that there's probably like half a million of them, and they really are. They're team elite. They're they're all. We love the Indies on the big stage. We love the Bucks. Kenny versus Will Ospreay is our dream match. You know, o- o- Okada is the fact that we get to see Okada on U.S. soil on TV is the greatest thing that's happened in wrestling in 15 years. And I'm not trying to make fun of those people. I'm just trying to put like some number on them. So those people. Right they're not happy about CM Punk coming and stealing a lot of that spotlight, that suck, that shine when Tony Khan keeps bringing in more people. I mean, Eddie Kingston came back tonight. We saw Sonata make an open challenge, which got filled later on in a disappointing way. We, we, you know, we, we, we saw Will Ospreay show up. The news was that EJ Nduka got signed. What, what the hell is he going to do with EJ Nduka? I mean, this guy just keeps collecting action figures. Uh, it's what he does. That's what he does. Um, he is a collect action figures kind of guy. Uh, I would, I would have, I would have thought he was awesome when I was twelve. Um, so I yeah, really I, like well, action I, figures I, as a kid. It, I, I want to put him um, and the other tall guys, Big Bill, Jake Hagar, 
and uh, who's the other? For, oh, Lance Archer. Just put them together, and they should call themselves the real four pillars, just because they actually are big and tall. I like it. I like it, and they could actually hold something up. <laughs> they, right, it'd be fun. Good times. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's get to the show. Let's let's let's. Uh, I, I'm struggling to get to this show, but let's do it. World title match to start off the show. Um, Jeff, it's not good for storytelling long term, but it might be effective for keeping the early audience. Um, what do you think about this uh, opening your show with the world title match? Well, it is historically their best quarters, so why not open with your with your best pitch and hope that you keep some of those folks around? I, I have no problem with the theory. I, you know, Tony Khan's view of what's main events rarely correspond to what my views of main events are. And he had a pretty sure thing in the six man match at the end where everybody knew it would have forbidden door angles um, and a lot of swervery going on. So I have no issue with it. I, I, in fact, I I think it was probably a, a good choice. And for those people who love wrestling, you got 35 minutes of wrestling, including chicken shit Healy and, and sneaking around and a Guerrero spot. I actually thought this, this episode of Dynamite, it was not perfect. There were, there were bad parts, but this might have been the best episode of Dynamite I remember in, in several months. Mm, yeah, no, there, there were definitely a couple of really good things about this show. I thought that this match was definitely one of them. Um, like you said, the crowd was pretty hot for it. I mean, I, I didn't catch where they were this week. Uh, Jeff, where were they? I forgot. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, wherever they were, uh, congratulations on being a good crowd. You guys did a really good job, especially for this opening match, like I said. Um, it's not a title match. It's a title eliminator. So if Cole wins, he gets a shot. I, I don't like that. I've never liked that. I, I think that having a situation where your champion could potentially lose but not lose the title um, it doesn't make sense in a singles match because you can have the champion lose matches in tag matches and it doesn't make them look oh, weak. How could I forget? It was Washington, D.C. This is where oh. AEW Dynamite premiered October 2nd, 2019 and sold sold out a 20,000 seat arena. And I think they barely got over 5,000 tickets this time. Well, it's not just Hamilton, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, they, I thought that they told a pretty cool story here. Um, you know, it looked like each guy had scouted well ahead of the match. So they were able to counter each other's big moves quite a few times. Um, we saw both of them land some offense that you don't normally see out of them. MJF landed a tombstone on the apron at one point. Um, it was pretty cool. MJF super animated throughout the job, throughout the match, doing a really good job as a heel with the facial expressions and the, you know, the the overly exaggerated shaking of the head at the referee and stuff like that. Um, I just I love MJF. I mean, every time I see him in a in what they consider a big match, I just think more and more that this guy is like this guy is what modern day heels should be because. He is hateable, um, and he he leans into it in a way that most people don't. Most people would try to be cool, and MJF wants you to hate him. MJF wants you to despise him, which is the way it's supposed to be. Oh, Adam Cole. If Adam Cole, I, I don't need him to be on steroids. I don't need him to look like the ultimate warrior. Like, give him Nathan Frazier's body. He, yeah. he, he'd be fine. You know, God willing, give him Ilya Dragunov's upper body, just, just torso. He, he'd be, you know, he, he'd be great. 
but he just looks dainty. But he knows what to do. He knows where to do it. He makes the right faces. And everything you said about MJF is spot on. Even when he was hurting in the match, you know, he he was holding on to Adam Cole's knee pad so that he couldn't push it down to deliver his boom. Uh, uh-huh. You know, he, even then he, he knew what he was doing. And then, you know, when he tried to do the Eddie spot when the ref was knocked down and then he got outsmarted by it. I mean, you know, this, this was great. And, and I, I like the time limit draw thing. And, and so Adam Cole did not win. So he's not telling Adam Cole says five more minutes. And then, then the the champion heel who realizes he doesn't have to give him five more minutes says, "No, excellent. Yes. That's exactly what you should do." Saying yes is stupid, and yep. and sometimes he's been stupid when he doesn't need to be stupid. But I like when he's smart. And this is the chase. This is this is this is the same thing with Cody. You know, the, I mean, Adam Cole doesn't have the same story as Cody, but this, the face has to chase. And everyone thought we were getting this match at Forbidden Door too. And I'm always like, you know, and, and I've been out on the air saying, I don't think so. It doesn't make sense for Forbidden Door 2. It makes sense for another AEW pay-per-view or one of their big shows at a big arena where they need to bump the ratings or something. And as it turns out, I was right. Not really a surprise, but I wouldn't have been shocked if they rushed it and put it on Forbidden Door 2. But this is better. Now Adam Cole has to figure out a way to get himself back into the into the title mix. And, and you know, my sizes my size aside, I thought the match was good. The moves were executed well. I thought that the, you know, the outside of the ring action was good and well orchestrated. And, you know, MJF didn't go straight to the belt. He wasn't sure where it was. He sort of stumbled about. And I thought that was good. That That's what a dazed person does. So I liked it. I, I actually really enjoyed this, this whole match. And I thought it was a, a really good opening 35 minutes. Yep, if you've only got if you've only got thirty five minutes to watch uh, AEW this week, watch the match in full. Um, good stuff from both guys. Like you said, I happen to think that Adam Cole should be bagging my groceries, but he <laughs> is he is a good professional wrestler in that he's able to do the moves and sort of run through the spots. Um, anyway, the one the one thing that I will say about this match that I think would have made it a lot better is they need a clock. If they're going to do time limit draws, there just needs to be a clock. And if you can't, if you can't hit the time spot, right with a clock, then you shouldn't do this angle because the way that it just ended. And it was like the referees going, what, what happened? I don't understand what happened. Oh, sorry, Adam. It must've been the time limit. I just, I, I, do, I don't think that works. I think it's way more effective if you have a clock. And I think that you can put it up on the on the big screen and it'll give the wrestlers a timing cue. They'll know exactly when they need to go home. And, and, you, and the funny thing is that, well, AEW owns Ring of Honor. Tony Khan books Ring of Honor. And in the pure matches, there's a time limit. And they say, five minutes have elapsed. Ten minutes have elapsed. You don't have to do it every five minutes, but you could do it every ten minutes. You just have the ring announcer go, ten minutes have elapsed. Twenty minutes have elapsed. And then, you know, in the last minute, you could have a time clock, you know, up there. And then you get the crowd counting down, you know, ten, nine, eight. So, yeah, there's there's a, you know, I... You're right. It, it would have made for more drama. It would have been less jolting and jarring. You would have been expecting and hoping that it doesn't happen or hoping that it does happen, depending on who you're for, or what you want to say. But yeah, that definitely would have added 
a visual. And when when it happened, first I was jolted like what, and then I'm like, then I'm like, oh cool, he ran out of time at the at the you know at the two and a half count. I I'm just not sure that all wrestling fans see things the same way I did, or would have been yeah. keen to that. Yep. No, agreed. Um, so anyway, next up here we've got Renee Moxley Good Paquette. Um, she uh, she invites Sammy Guevara, who comes down to the ring for the first time in two weeks, and for some reason, commentary acted like he had been gone for six months, and this was what? Triple H returning after double quad tears. Mm-hmm. What the fuck was this about? I don't know. I, I saw I saw a thing on the on the Hameen Facebook group where it was a uh, like I guess this was a tweet from AEW that Sammy Guevara returns Wednesday and I'm like he was gone right he he was at the pay per view he was at Double or Nothing that was like two weeks ago anyway uh, Sammy's about to have a baby so good for Sammy he get he got absolutely no reaction from this crowd because. They don't know how to react to him. Right. A month ago, he was in the Jericho Appreciation Society. Three and weeks ago, he was maybe a face, but maybe he was going to tank the match for money. Two weeks ago, he was in a match and he was kind of a baby face. And now he's coming out here as like super earnest, you know, hero among men, Spanish God, Sammy Guevara. I really muddy character completely muddy and people don't like him people don't like him and his wife people don't care that they're pregnant it's like oh it's it's nice that someone's pregnant but those two shouldn't be having a baby together i mean i right. think that's what most people think um and he's out there pretending that they like him he's pounding his chest and you know pointing to the crowd nobody's reacting no i didn't hear anything i didn't hear anything from anyone and how do I know that I didn't? Because I heard it when they sing Judas. I, I heard it when Will Ospreay came in, came into the ring and people realized who he was. I, I heard it during the opening match. I heard it when they yelled, Adam Cole, baby. Nobody cared that Sammy came in here. So I thought the thing with Renee and him coming out was very awkward, and you're 100% right with that. They did it backwards. They should have done the Jericho thing first. Of course, they should have done the Jericho thing five weeks ago. Six yeah. weeks ago, I mean, if he was going to come, a, if he was going to become a face and come out of the shadow of his mentor, first he has to turn on the mentor. But since they were so in love with the four pillars thing, they had to move straight ahead with that and details, shmeetails. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, I mean, details, shmeetails might be like we might we might need to just like change the whole name of the show from skirmish to details, shmeetails, <laughs> because that's what this show seems to be about. Um, Anyway, he says he wants the title, but Darby comes out to interrupt, I guess. Darby says, you know, I don't know if you're hearing this, Sammy, but the people are starting to love you again. And I just thought, what? Who? Me too. Do you mean, felt the same way. Do you mean Ty like, Conti? Read, read the room, not the script. <laughs> yeah. Like, these people don't know how to work. Like, the if that's what the script says, but you have just heard nobody fucking react for Sammy, you don't say it. You come out and you, you, you meander around it. You say something, you know, Sammy, I don't know if you understand the position that you're in right now, but you're in a position where, you know, if you start making the right decisions, these people will start loving you again, right? Like it doesn't take a fucking genius to just tweak, right? Just tweak Mm -hmm. it so that it makes a little sense. That's right. Just, just reverse. Just like what you said, you can say, 
Darby and the Four Pillars match, you earn my respect. And if you keep acting like that, you're going to earn their respect back as well. Yeah. And, you know, and then they go into their little segment. Yeah. Anyway, Darby says Sammy needs to stand on his own feet. Uh, Judas hits and out comes Chris Jericho. Um Chris wants to know the same thing. Is Sammy in this thing or not? Sammy never called or asked for help. What's up with that? They talk a little back and forth. Sammy says a swear word, so he's probably a baby face now for sure. Um, Jericho says that Sammy needs to be you know, taught how things go in, in this Jericho Appreciation Society. So you know what, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do to show you? We're going to reunite as a tag team, and we're going to have a tag match against somebody else. Oh no! Oh no! Wow! 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 What? Wow! 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 What? Like what? What are you fucking talking about? I know. Um, anyway, Sting comes down for the stare down nobody ever wanted. Um, a sixty-year-old man and a sixty-five-year-old man have a little jousting match with their bats, which sounds very sexual as I say it, but. <laughs> the- it, it wasn't, and you know, and that segment was not sponsored by Blue Chew. <laughs> Holy shit! I just thought I was like, "What the fuck is this?" They're like, "I don't think they've." I don't think the announcers are like, "I don't think they've ever been in the ring together." And I'm like, who yeah. fucking I mean, cares? Thank God nobody said I'm Batman. Yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been badass, actually. Um, <laughs> All right, yeah, that's how the segment ends. The next one is that there's some Japanese guy who says something in Korean or whatever while he's holding some belt from Japan. I don't know. Oh, I know what this is. This was Sonata, who both of his knees don't work anymore, so of course now it's time to finally give him the IWGP (laughs) Heavyweight Championship. Um, He is a heavyweight champion, so I'm not sure why he was allowed on AEW because they don't recognize that. Uh, But... uh, yeah, Forbidden Door is coming, so he's going to level an open challenge to anyone. He's not challenging the champion MJF, not interested in that. He's not challenging the TNT champion. He's not challenging the international champion. He's not challenging the uh, FTW champion, which isn't really a championship. He's not challenging Jade Cargill. He's just a, it's just an open challenge for, for his belt, uh, but, but he looked good anyway. Yeah, so anyway, that guy... Santa, you said? Yeah, Santa. Santa. Anyway, Santa's. we're going to talk about Santa later because uh, Jungle Boy accepts Santa's challenge later. Um, let's see here. Oh, well, the, the, the other segment that ended really just segued into the match that Darby Allen and Sting are actually there for, which, as people might recall, uh, was an eight-man. And what we didn't see was swerves mogul embassy get get an entrance so they got the jobber entrance they're waiting outside the ring and keith lee with dustin Rhodes gets an entrance to join their one one third of or one quarter of their tag team which was darby because sting oh no sting was also in the match it was dustin who's not in the match and then of course yep. they're the other quarter who is orange cassidy gets his own intro because he is what a true he's like the Elvis. He's the star of the show. Speaking of people who should be bagging my groceries, um, mm-hmm. I, I noticed that uh, Brian Cage this week he has a scorpion on his pants and old school surfer sting face paint on. Right, that made so much sense when you're facing him. I mean, to pay homage to him. I don't 
get it. The ref in this match was completely fucking useless. I, I noticed, I, I mean, if you're going to just call it an ODQ match, I, I guess, okay, call it that. But like, if you're telling me that this is just a regular eight man match, I noticed at least eight or nine times in this match where if I was the referee, I would have said, you're disqualified. You're disqualified. You're cheating. You're blatantly cheating in front of the ref. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you you know that doesn't happen in AEW. They, they've had a handful of disqualifications, and most of them have been within the last six months. Um, but they weren't going to do a disqualification here, and frankly, I, the- I mean – there wasn't even that much in the way of shenanigans. I mean, Dustin barely did anything. Prince Nana barely did anything. I don't know why they have all these people if they're not going to do anything, though I guess it's a, it's sort of a mixed blessing because, uh, yeah, I'd rather them just, you know, four and four with, you know, old man Sting in there and two miniature people is really sort of enough. But, I mean, Swerve, who was supposed to be a breakout star, I mean – is being treated like anything but he's in you know his it's it's like there's already bad guy factions who are having some success so his can't possibly yeah exactly you can't you can't possibly run more than one successful story at a time um at one point here there was a pretty big fuck up where sting was clearly supposed to go into the corner and take a splash from the big samoan guy but instead, he went into the ropes next to the corner because the big Samoan guy's partner was down in the corner. And I think Sting rightly didn't want to crush him. Right. Uh, but if your spot is fucked, work for 30 seconds. Don't yeah. don't just go do the spot in a place that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, I don't know. This uh, this match was just a mess. Th- this and, was and just a big three spot other corners, fest. right? I mean, there's three other corners. They could have just done a reversal or something. It's it's, it's it's not that hard to figure out. But yeah, they, yeah, they, this this was sort of a, a cumbersome isn't the right right word. But what am I looking for? It was sort of plodding. It was like a ponderous yeah. match. This match was ponderous. And- and it, it was it was just like an obvious – it was one of those obvious ones where they're just setting up for the next spot. And you're watching them do it, and you know that's what they're doing. They're just slowly moving their way to the next area, and they're going, okay, now all four of us are going to get in the ring, and we're going to perform this move. Oh, no, Sting's still on the apron. You go knock him over and then come back and help us perform this move. And the four of us will all perform this move even while the referee's staring at us. And then the guy's going to go for a pin while the rest of us are standing in the ring. And the referee's going to count the pin even though he just watched the four of us do this move without tagging in and out. Like it's – there's – there is no logic to this whatsoever to the point where like if you understand professional wrestling you're watching this and it's just your brain just your brain turns off and not in a good way your brain turns off in like the same way that your brain turned off when you know uh batman said if there's even a 1% chance that superman is bad we have to take it as an absolute certainty you're going that doesn't <laughs> make sense that's fucking stupid it's an awful line Right? Like that's, that's what I got out of this match was just, this is fucking stupid. Anyway, yeah. Sting wins. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did Keith Lee do anything of substance in this match? 
I mean, he caught Swerve when Swerve was trying to give him a move. Right, that was... that's about it. And, I mean, are, do you think they're covering for Keith Lee that he actually can't physically work any longer and they just don't want to, like, cut their losses or cut him, period, or they like him and they think he looks big, but they're they're covering for him? Or they is it that's just how they book matches? It's really hard to tell because if they were booking him this way and I had any faith whatsoever in the booking of of the show, I would say there's something wrong with Keith Lee. Um, but I have no faith in this booking. So it could just be that this is how they think it's it's best to use him. Um, you know, put him in multiple man matches and have him do like one or two spots and then go to sleep. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I, so I really don't know what to say about that. And you've brought that up before and I've really wondered about it. And every single time I've seen him work since then, I've wondered about it. Is there something wrong with him? Because it's not like he's obviously limping. It's not like he doesn't seem to be able to catch his breath in between moves, but you're right. This is not the Keith Lee from even a year ago. Yeah. And and I, you know, obviously I, I see what I see, but every now and then he does do one of those swantons over the top rope onto the floor to, you know, where everyone catches him. Um, and I'm just wondering if he just only has a limited amount of oxygen that he can, he can do one or two big moves, you know, in a match or one big move per match. But after that, he has to be careful. I, I'm just not sure. Or maybe, I don't know. It's just something to, to watch because, uh, I mean, we all know he got, COVID really badly and apparently was on death's door for a while. And, and he was one of the, the bad cases, but survived. But, uh, and, and I think he got it twice, like back to back and, you uh-huh. know, and, and he's a giant man. So probably, you know, his cardiovascular system, you know, it, you know, is probably touch and go to begin with. Yeah. I'm guessing he has a few co- comorbidities. Yeah. <laughs> as a very, very large man. Um, Anyway, the guns are backstage and they call out the Hardys for a match and they say Renee needs a haircut. They're right about that. Seeing them Hardys in tag team action is something I don't want to see, but at least it makes sense from the standpoint of why would you have the Hardys there otherwise? Um, The only thing of this that I paid any attention to is that the guns denied that they were involved with Jay White and Bullet Club Gold, which of course means they probably are involved with Jay White and Bullet Club Gold, which probably means that, that they'll do some sort of schmoz uh, during collision, which is okay. I just don't understand why if Bullet Club Gold is going after FTR for their tag team titles, why you would align yourself with another tag team that's also going for tag team. I mean, what's the difference if you all beat up FTR you're still going to have to go through each other. I mean, wouldn't you just want to go through FTR your, yourselves? But anyway, whatever, whatever it's possible it is. that they're setting up for like a big, uh, you know, three team uh, tag team match, a la, you know, Edge and Christian Hardys and the Dudleys back in the day. At, oh, you know, it's entirely possible. Or a four way with, with the Guns, the Hardys, Bullet Club Gold, I hate saying that, and FTR. <laughs> Yeah, we just call them Bullet Club Lead. That's what I've been I've been doing. It, <laughs> it makes more sense for the gimmick anyway, because they're the Bullet Club, and if it's lead, you know, like it makes more sense. It sure and does. And also, and also, gold is like a, a better metal. 
and well, they don't deserve well, that. Well, you've, you've got the you've got the Bullet Club and the Gun Club all together, but the I mean, the big question in that match is: Do they job out Juice Robinson first before either Matt accidentally hurts himself or Jeff the you know Jeff falls off something? <laughs> it's a that's a those are the, the right questions to ask. I love how Jay White in his in his, he uh, there was a little you know promo for the for the match and he said he said CM Punk you've been all around the world but but you you you've beaten a lot of people but you haven't beaten Juice Robinson yet and I was like <laughs> yeah <Okay. laughs> all right. That's like um, that's like if I suddenly was like, yeah, Mike Tyson, you may have been a multiple time world champion, but you've never beaten Jeff Littman yet. That's right, he hasn't. That's true. Mike Tyson never has. Nobody, <laughs> nobody can prove that that he can beat me in a fight. <laughs> uh, it's just silly, silly shit. Anyway, um, Wordlow is apparently a werewolf now. They've added howling to his entrance. That is scary. Yeah. Werewolves are tight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, werewolves are tight. Um, Jake Hager jumps him on the entrance, and they have a, a Haas match. I guess it was not good. There was a lot of stuff on the outside. At one point, the uh, fucking Maynard and whatever his name is uh, came out looking like they were going to get involved. And cool then, hand Angelo Parker and Magic Matt Maynard. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Uh, they looked like they were going to get involved, but Arn scared them off with his fingers, which right. I just stop that. If you're going to have him pull an actual gun, then you can do the gimmick where he pulls out his fingers sometimes and it's like a thing. But he's just he's a he's like an 80 year old man pointing at you. Right. What are you fucking doing? And one of his arms doesn't work. Anyway, Brock also helps out, so Brock, Brock gets on TV. No, uh, oh. Anderson. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. That's a disappointment. Yeah. But he's only on TV for like one second as they as they rush to the back. Uh, there's right. some nonsense on the outside. Wardlow takes the win with the Powerbomb Symphony. And literally Brock Anderson was only on there for one second, not even in another segment where it might have made sense to have him. Yeah. No, he just he disappeared after that. Apparently he was he was taken out in the back and nobody knows what happened to him or where he went. Nobody but cares Ward, either. But, but Wardlow won this silly little match, the open challenge that Luchasaurus presumably would have answered but didn't, so Jake Hagar did. We never see who answers the open challenge matches. Or we rarely do. I would like for us to see who, who answers, who tries to answer more often than than we do. Uh though I'm gonna make I'm gonna contradict myself in, in probably less than 10 minutes. But um, yeah, so anyway, Wardlow won, so at least they're not hot potatoing this title too badly. Um, I still don't know why Hobbs isn't wearing that title, but anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, Christian Cage is on screen, but there's audio issues to begin, so we just look at him for a sec. Uh, Cage eventually says that they're accepting the challenge. Uh, Wardlow is going to defend against um, Luchasaurus on the very first collision on Saturday. But Cage says, what are you going to do without your new daddy? And then they show that Arn Anderson has been bloodied backstage. 
Yeah, and at least they used some blood this time, and this would have been a perfectly good time to show us Brock Anderson and actually even more bloody than last time, which they should have done then. So 0 for 2 for Brock, but but at least Dad knows how to use blood. Yeah, Uh, Brock disappeared, and Arn Anderson was the one who we were focusing on. Nobody cares about you, Brock Anderson. That's right. Um, up next here, Taco Sushi says he wants a match against MJF at Forbidden Door. I don't know if you know much about Taco Sushi. Apparently, he's like the ace of Japan. Oh yes, I I do. He's um he's Japanese uh, John Cena Tanahashi. Uh, he he's their forever face kind of guy and. Yeah, he's uh, challenging MJF, the champion, because uh, he's in his 40s, and not MJF, uh, Takashuki and uh, Ta- Tanahashi. And, Takashuki. Yep, that's the one. And um, then later on, MJF says, no, absolutely not. He's not required to do it, and it wouldn't be the first time he's uh, hasn't shown up for a booking that uh, Khan's made him go to. <laughs> uh, good line. Um... I love MJF. He's just fantastic. Everything that he does, I just, I laugh or I chuckle or I just think what a brilliant way to do that. Um, Yeah. Him just flat out being like, no, I don't want to. So I'm not doing it. Why should he have to to defend his belt twice in one month? Good for him. Uh, Anyway, some British blonde guy shows up and he has a weird square belt. Oh, that's Zack Sabre Jr. And he apparently is the first NJPW TV champion. I did not know he was the first. I knew he was their TV champion. And he walks up onto, what was it, Orange Cassidy, who is the international champion. So we're, so we're going to get a champion versus champion match? Maybe. Riveting stuff. Um Speaking of riveting stuff, Sky Blue gets a title shot oh, next wait, against Tony Storm. The, the, Danny Garcia interrupted this and said, you don't even work here, Blondie. I I should be getting the shot at the international championship. And Mm. then Orange Cassidy said something about, instead of saying, why don't you two fight next week and whoever wins faces me in Forbidden Door, he said, my friend Shibata, who is the Ring of Honor pure champion, will be here next week. And... Me and Shibata, I mean Orange Cassidy and Shibata, will face Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. I don't know what that means for the Forbidden Door match. I Maybe it'd be two different matches being set up that way. Now, for those who don't know Shibata, Shibata was one of Japan's top stars about six or seven years ago. He had a terrible head injury and literally like there's a hole in his skull. I'm not even sure if he has a metal plate. I think there's still a hole in his skull. And no Japanese promotion would clear him to wrestle, but AW did. Yes, um, I don't know why somebody just doesn't give him a brain buster. That's the end of the match. That's the end. You don't have to deal with it anymore. One brain buster. It's all done. One DDT on the concrete, and he's dead. <laughs> One really mean thought. I mean, <laughs> one actually solid right hand, and he's probably dead. Right. I don't, I don't understand what why they keep doing this, but anyway. I don't understand yeah. why they keep trying to make me watch Daniel Garcia. I honestly, that to this point, I think that it's like a, 
I think Daniel Garcia on television is like one of those like MK Ultra things where the <laughs> government is just trying to see like how crazy they can make people by like repeatedly showing us Daniel Garcia and being like, he's a good wrestler, guys. He's a good wrestler, guys. He's a good wrestler, guys. <laughs> Trust us. <sighs> anyway, Sky Blue has a title shot against Tony Storm next. Sky Blue's mom's in the audience. Aww. Yay. Uh, Soraya is not here because she said that she won't come to D.C. It's a smelly, was, stupid town. What, what was Sky Blue's mother's name? Was her name like Midnight Blue? Probably, yeah. Royal Blue? Royal Blue. Azure Blue. Aquamarine um, Blue. Blue. That's good, too. Uh, anyway, I will say, cameraman, uh, you're doing close-ups on the wrong part of Sky Blue. Her face is not pretty. <laughs> it, it's not her best asset. No, yeah. She has better assets. Um, Storm over overacting badly to start this match. Like, she yeah. was wobbling all over the place, and her face looked like just the worst thing ever. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And this was just, this was a woman's match. So none of this looked like wrestling. It all just looked like, okay, what's the first spot we're doing? Oh, okay, we're doing the corner spot. Okay, what's the next spot we're doing? Oh, okay, we're doing the spot where we spray your mom in the face. What's the next spot we're doing? Oh, we're doing the thing in the corner here again. Okay, what's the next spot we're doing? Okay, um, you're doing the finish, but it's a false finish. And then, and then the, you know, the referee, you know, the, 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 so it's the referee's not going to be there to count, but it's obvious sky blue could have won. And then we're going to do, we're going to go into the finish and that's going to be the end. And that's going to be the final spot at no point. Did this even begin to look like a wrestling match? I mean, the point of a wrestling match is to have two people pretending like they're in a competition wherein the winner of the match is the person who can pin their opponent's shoulders to the mat for three seconds or get them to submit. This had none of that. It was just spot, 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 finish. Yeah. And no offense to Sky Blue, but she's not important enough on the pecking order of the women's roster to have a match book this way where you have to go through so many shenanigans and have everything go wrong for her that she comes so close to winning so many times and she should have won and, and doesn't that, that booking should be reserved for one of their top faces or someone's like maybe a Sheeta or even Willow who they seem to, to, to book fairly well, but like a Jamie hater, if she came back and you didn't want her to win, or if it was title yep. versus title, Chris Statlander versus um, Tony storm. And anyway, you know, of course, there was a missed spot where they, they hit uh, uh, Sky Blue's mother, who, by the way, has bright orange hair, bright red hair. So it's clearly not Sky Blue. Um, and and the, the heels were heelish. And I guess Soraya's on one of those, you know, Roman Reigns contracts. But, you know, yeah, I guess guess good on her, huh? Yeah, she doesn't have to show up. Um, Willow makes the save after the match. And that was nothing. Yeah, Willow um, should not wear street clothes. She should always be in her, in her wrestling gear. Um, or the Marianne <laughs> peasant top was not working. But uh, they do tell us the Willow versus Sky Blue versus Tony Storm and Ruby Soho will be on collision. 
I presume this is going to lead to Tony Storm versus Willow, title versus title at Forbidden Door 2. Um, I guess it's it's the only thing that really makes sense out of this. Willow Nightingale, as folks may recall, because Sasha Banks fell off the top turnbuckle and broke her ankle while facing Willow Nightingale, Willow didn't do anything wrong. Um, they called an audible and had Willow win that match, and she won the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. Now, New Japan and Japan doesn't have a women's division. They they do work with stardom, but they don't actually have a women's division. So, But New Japan Strong is their North American, uh, primarily U.S. branch. Anyway, so that would be a title versus title of sorts, but it's it's like lesser than the NXT Women's Champion going against you know, Rhea Ripley. It's, it's just too bad that, that Sasha Banks got injured there because, you know, if she would have been at that pay-per-view against Tony Storm instead, that would have been like guaranteed extra million and a half uh, viewers for the pay-per-view. Definitely would have been just, just an incredible uptick in their viewership. At least that's what I've read on Twitter. A million and a half is probably uh, conservative, but but it would it would make for a more interesting match, and certainly would have gotten a lot more got a lot more buzz. Meanwhile, I don't even know if that match is correct. They, they may go entirely different directions. They they might do Willow versus Ruby and have Tony Storm with the rematch against um, Sky Blue. Who knows? Or or none of the above. Yeah, none of the above is fine. Um, Renee pulling triple duty tonight. She's she's all over the show. Um, she's backstage with Jungle Hook. Jungle Boy says he's going to accept the challenge from Santana and Ortiz at Forbidden Door. <laughs> no, 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 not Santana and Ortiz. Just Santana. Oh, oh, just Santana. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah I don't think those Sonata. two kids are right. Sonata. Santa from it's Santa. Sonata. Oh, okay, Sonata. Um, Sonata. Um, right. It's Sonata. It's another. It's like a Italian guy trying to trying to say it's nothing in Spanish. How, it's another. How low energy was Jungle Boy's acceptance of this? <laughs> I mean, and then he goes into this little thing where he's like trying to explain to Hook how he should have run it by him first, which, but he never even gets there. He's just like, oh, I've been meaning to talk to you about this, and he, at least he remembered that he said he was going to go for singles gold at some point this year. Um, since, and, since you're not just my tag team partner, Hook, but you're my best friend. They're <laughs> okay, okay. uh, already uh, best friends. Okay, that that's uh, like, well. He has such good luck with his best friends. I I could picture this being his best friend too, because who the fuck else would be friends with this jackass? Uh, Do you think that maybe they're gonna have a hook? turn heel on jungle boy on this uh, you know what don't even, i don't even care i i don't either it just okay jungle boy versus sonata dream match the, for the, the dream match door. exactly yeah well, uh, OG. yeah great anyway danielson uh comes out he's going to be on time he's going to be on commentary for the main event uh, Brian Danielson gets a great ovation, even though he's a heel, because he's fucking awesome, and he right. continues to be awesome on commentary here. Although God fucking knows they didn't give him a lot to work with in this match. That's right. They, they bring him out for commentary, and they proceed to give us thirteen commercial breaks, including the same commercials for Forbidden Door twice, and at least one for Collision, and then their usual 
Don West auctioneer of telling us every match for Dynamite and Rampage and this and you know this that and the other thing while Brian is sitting there not doing much of anything. Yeah, um, the Bucks are dressed like super gay cowboys for Pride Month, so <laughs> it's good on them. It's a good choice. Um, the match begins with a schmoz because of course it fucking does because everything else began with a schmoz tonight and schmoz is just the word of the day, folks. Um, everybody is everywhere doing everything right away. They're just diving and jumping and I don't know. I, <laughs> I just, uh, Jeff, is this professional wrestling? now like is this what the is this what pro wrestling is i yes it's it kind of is i mean you can't say it's not when 50 percent of the wrestling out there is like this so yeah i guess it is because just nothing about this looked like a match there, there was no this was sloppy. there was almost there was almost zero moments where anyone went for a cover. There was almost zero moments where anybody went for a submission that was a believable go for a submission to finish the match. Um, everybody's everywhere doing everything. There's constantly dives. At no point could there have been a hot tag. There's Because at no point was there heat on anybody for any significant period of time. Right. This This stuff is just so elementary you know um i don't know if he's a guy who you know or if he's like an actual wrestling guy but that raj guy on twitter he asked he asked a question uh he's got like he's got a bunch of followers he always has like a few hundred raj Gary, he, he used to yeah. own wrestling inc or fight fight for one of those oh okay so he's an actual wrestling personality on twitter yeah. he asked what do you think is the Bucks' legacy? And I said, unironically, I think that they are the worst thing to happen to professional wrestling in the last two decades. I'm not kidding. You, you could make that argument, and and I understand where you would carry that. You know, I understand the origins of that thought, and I understand how you would explain it. And and you're not wrong. I just, I honestly, watching this match, like I, I appreciate the high athleticism that all these guys have. And I really do. I, I mean, I look at some of the stuff that the Bucks pull off in the, in the ring and I just go, wow, I can't do that. And I could train for years and I wouldn't be able to do that stuff. And I look at some of the stuff that guys like commander does or, um, uh, the Lucha brothers do. And I think that's just pure physical gifts the kind of which I could just never, ever train to have. I could never do that. But it's not good wrestling. It's spots. It's just, what's the next spot? What's the next spot? What's the next spot? If you've seen the Bucks work before, you know what this was. Spot, spot, spot. Hangman does a thousand dives and sells nothing at all. The Bucks right. do what they what they do. Uh at one point, Yuta took a buckle bomb into a double insigiri to the back of the head and then just stood up and walked over to the next corner because that's where he needed to be for the spot. Right. Yeah. I mean, what you said about the Bucks is, is what they did is they, they took wrestling and they, they built on things that teams like the Hardys and the Motor City and Machine Guns and Edge and Christian did, and they, they imported it into a, a video game. 
and they made video game wrestling. So in the last 15 years, the Young Bucks probably might be the most influential and most innovative tag team in history, but that is very much a mixed mixed message and it's very much a, a mixed legacy. And in a lot of ways, as you said, it 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 it's done possibly irreparable damage to professional wrestling because now you know half the matches are video game spots and you know nothing matters. What what matters is the schmas at the end and who comes out at the end of it. Um and so I, I won't diminish their importance, but I'm not going to say it's necessarily been a positive for the art of professional wrestling, if you can call it an art. Um, I'm not going to diminish their influence on the business of professional wrestling because I'm not sure there'd be an AEW without them. I'm not sure there'd be an all-in. Um, but I'm not sure that there'd be an AEW if the backing was anyone other than the son of a billionaire who has, you know, a shade over a billion himself, uh, who mm-hmm. is an absolute money mark and, and you know, doesn't mind self-funding his hobby as long as he gets, you know, you know, if he, if he puts in, you know, a hundred percent and gets back 50%, you know, that's, well, that's, a, that's pretty cool. That's all right. Since the beginning of professional wrestler, every professional wrestler of all time has wished for a money mark like Tony Khan. That's exactly Every right. wrestler since the beginning of time has has dreamt of the possibility of some Saudi Arabian's kid coming over with billion I know they're not Saudi Arabian, but some, you know, some rich man's kid just being like, I I, I love wrestling. You want a billion dollars? Yeah, let's spend a billion dollars because that's the legacy here in AEW. Anyway, let's do a super kick party, right? Everybody gets super kicks and then and then a double and then a double super kick thing into a hangman buckshot in the win. So the BCC win at the pay-per-view and they lose all their heat 2 weeks later in a rematch. Right. And then we get music that sounds vaguely familiar. It's the return of Eddie Kingston who did oh, get a I pop thought it was- by the way. I What's thought that? it was somebody. I thought it was just a, somebody from the crowd, but okay, it's Eddie <laughs> Kingston. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, if it was somebody from the crowd, my mistake, but got a much bigger pop than Sammy Guevara got. Uh, he came in, and I knew it was Eddie Kingston because he was hitting everyone except for John Moxley because they're still friends. And then Moxley sho- gets up and shoves everyone away, but still shoving Kingston. But it's more like, hey, what are you doing getting into my business? And you know, so they're gonna have they're gonna do the Mark Briscoe thing with. You know, who is custody of Eddie Kingston and who does Eddie mm-hmm. Kingston love more? But then they make it more confusing um, because, of course, then uh, Takeshita runs in because he's with the BCC sort of maybe, not at all. We're not quite clear, but he's with Don Callis. And Takeshita clocks Eddie Kingston in the back and then clears the ring, even though it looks like everyone's beating up, but then they remember they're supposed to get out of the ring. So then they all miraculously fall out of the ring. And while he's standing there, then Kenny Omega decides it's his turn to run out. So he runs out. And while he's working on Takeshita, um, out of the crowd comes a blonde haired guy. And at first I thought it was Kyle Fletcher. Cause I'm like, who's, who's this jar of mayonnaise? I'm like, I don't think it's tall enough to be Kyle Fletcher, but maybe then I'm like, Oh, that's Will Ospreay. And around the same time, the crowd realizes it's Will Ospreay and they pop for it. Cause that's, that's, you know, at least a co-main event for Forbidden Door 2, whenever everyone wants to see that match, which I'm told was very good. I did not see it. Uh, I guess I'll see this version, I suppose, if we ever find Jimmy again, because I'm not paying for this card. Um, and uh, 
you know, and, and then, so then they do their thing and you, you would think that would sort of be the end of it. Uh, but I, you know, I'm trained to think it's never the end of it. So I'm waiting for more music to come out and then to have Kota Ibushi come out. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait on that. Um, if at all, though, Kingston maybe evens the odds where we don't need a Kota Ibushi. I, I don't know. It seems like that's a, not a great subject. Anyway, the, the show goes off the air with Will Ospreay standing over, uh, uh, beating down Kenny Omega, who's never been so weakened by, you know, one or two moves ever in his entire career. And, and Will Ospreay's talking smack to him, but you can't hear a word of what he's saying. So, right. Uh, so the BCC lose all their heat uh, after winning at the pay per view. Uh, Takeshita loses his heat for the angle uh, with Kenny mm-hmm. because he just got his comeuppance. He just got his ass kicked. Um, and then Kenny's return gets no heat because he gets laid out by some blonde guy from Japan. <laughs> uh, well, an expat from from uh, Britain, I believe. But uh, So great yeah. spots, guys. Just wonderful spots. This was a really good spot-to-spot moment, and it's just... You know, in the history of of professional spotting, you guys have done really great. Great job being professional spotters. But the crowd seemed to, that's what they wanted to get, and that's what they were given. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, again, three and a half years ago, this building was sold out legitimately. Over 19,000 seats sold, filled. That building was filled to the rafters. Now, there were about 5,100 you know, tickets sold as of this afternoon. Were there more walk-ins? Were there no-shows? I don't know. I don't care. All I can tell you is that they released under 6,000 seats in in a building that was about 20,000 seats uh, that was filled three and a half years later. So, you know, if that's how you spell success, that's weird to me. Um, But people will tell me that that that's success, and then they'll say, Wembley, Wembley, Wembley. And I, I... I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what I want to happen at Wembley because I want my brain to be working. So I, I want it to be, you know, half empty or two thirds empty of the seats that they say they sold, not the, you know, one third of the seats that they are twenty percent that they didn't open up. But at the same time, I don't because that's a shitty way to be. But like logic has to exist in my world. I mean, if if logic doesn't exist, then what am I? So um, I don't know. So I, I, I'm having a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde conflict over, you know, Wembley. But anyway, that's that's a different story for a different month. Right. Well, um, that's going to do it for the show. That was that was dynamite this week. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it started off really good. I really, really liked that world title match. And most of the rest of this was not professional wrestling. It was spot to spot to spot to spot nobody was actually trying to win a match they were just what's the next spot where do i need to be for the next spot oh no that guy's in my spot for the next spot uh give me a really awkward splash on the ropes i but the show flow was better they had a a pretty good mix between backstage promos vignettes they did that split screen you know, promo contest kind of thing with, again, with Juice Robinson and Jay White. So apparently they're very good at that. Uh, the mm-hmm. vignette about with CM Punk, that was mixed in well. They had some in-ring talking. And they did remember, the execution wasn't great, but they remember details. They remembered that Sammy and Jericho need to break up. Uh, the, Darby at least remembered that he was supposed to say something nice about Sammy Guevara. He didn't know how to 
orally work, um, which is a strange phrase. Um, you know, he should go ask Renee Paquette. There you go. Right. Uh, exactly. There are oral sessions. There you go. The, you know, the guns, you know, were the guns. They were, they, they were good. Um, so, you know, FTR cut a promo that almost made it make sense why they're, you know, uh, on this side of the equation. And yeah, the, the other matches weren't great, but you know, they, they, they continued and I assume they'll finish the Wardlow Luchasaurus, Arn Anderson getting beaten up and stuff. And I don't know. I don't think I hated the show as much as you do. Yes, the last match was a disaster, but when I when I know that match is coming, I know that that's what's going to happen. So I, I I just it it's like how I watch NXT on a curve. I I watch those kind of slop fests on on a curve, knowing that's what I'm going to get. I don't give the same deference to the eight man match with like Orange Cassidy and Keith Lee because it didn't need to be that way. It wasn't that kind of yeah. a match. It was sort of a mixed up team. So. Uh, so I'm not even internally consistent, but that, that's the reason why. Anyway, I, I thought that the show, between the show flow and the, the segmentation, the fact they actually remembered things that even if the order was wrong, at least they remembered them. Um, that's positive. They apparently signed not just EJ Induka uh, recently, but Jimmy Jacobs has been signed on as a producer. And, you know, he knows wrestling, sort of. I mean, you know, though it's more of that early days Ring of Honor, you know, sort of that... 07 to 11 Ring of Honor era, maybe longer. I mean, I know he came back a few times in, in the, the mid 2010s. So I'm not really sure if he's got a good mind for wrestling or if he's, or if he's just like another kind of Reseda guy. They had to, they just had to fire a producer, didn't they? BJ Whitmer. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, yeah for, yeah, bad uh, strangulation, the domestic violence, second degree burglary. I don't know the details. I, 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 but whatever it is, this is not the first time he's been accused of domestic violence. He was accused of domestic violence by his ex-wife and former Ring of Honor women's champion, Kelly Klein, who also said he was gay, which he denied. Though, strangely, I don't think he denied the domestic violence. That's that's an odd thing to pick from. If I, yeah. You know, I mean, one of those things is actually something to be embarrassed about, and one of those things is definitely not, like, you know. You're gay. It's okay. Be gay. Be gay. I mean, that's that's how you were born, man. That's that's how things go, you know. But yeah, <laughs> you're like that's that's like the that's like the old joke from like the movies. Eh? You're gay and you're and you're a wife beater. Hey, I am not gay. Right. right. That would be a joke what? from like the, the forty year old virgin or something, or the <laughs> the wedding crashers. But uh, yeah, listen, I'm not 100 yeah. sure he didn't deny the domestic violence, but it, it's certainly not the first allegation in this guy's history. And, and whatever it was, he was sitting in jail for eight days before he could make twenty five thousand dollar bond, which that doesn't speak well for his uh, his circle of friends or what they thought of him. Um, but anyway, presumed innocent until proven guilty. Um, hope whoever it was wasn't too hurt. I you know I I guess it's his wife, girlfriend, partner. I I don't even I don't even really know. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, but the Rocket Con suit against like everybody you've ever heard of in the universe and half the companies you've heard of was dismissed. Uh, what a what a giant surprise there on procedural grounds. But she's got 30 day leave to amend where she would have to file about 16 other suits in about 16 different jurisdictions. And I bet she tries. I, I bet she tries. I bet she makes an attempt. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how how down to the wire this gets um, yeah. with Rocket Con. Uh, Jeff, give the show a letter grade, if you would, good sir. You know what? 
I'm going on the dynamite curve. I'm going to give it a B plus. Okay. Okay. I am going to give it a C. And that's, again, I think that's actually better than I've given a dynamite in a few weeks here. You've given um, a few Fs in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. Sometimes I give an F. Um, but no, really, the, the show was, there were some things in here that I liked. You're right. There was some logical consistencies that it seemed like they were sort of shoring up, uh, leading up to Forbidden Door. They they definitely have a few matches on that card that I'm looking forward to. They're leading, they're leaning in towards uh, collision, which I'm actually looking forward to as well. And uh, I really, really liked that opening match. I thought that was a really good uh, wrestling match between two guys who can work. Even if I think one of them should be bagging my groceries. Um, Oh, and I will say, um, I may have complained more about this show than I did about NXT, but still it was much easier to get through the two hours watching dynamite than it was to get through NXT. Um, two hours on a WWE show just feels like forever. If they're not doing the bloodline or if what's that girl's name? Le- Leah Hale. Is that right? Leah Hale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. She's, unless she's, she's on, she was really funny this week. Yeah, if you don't regularly watch NXT and you just watch, and you're just watching one episode, like in the middle of two or three months or two or three years of not watching it, it's it's going to catch you off guard. It is it is not going to be what you think a regular wrestling show would be. You'd probably have better luck enjoying like a, a random MLW fusion. Yes, I saw one girl who was not only admitting to crime but was admitting to crime and exactly where it took place. She was, she had like a whole spreadsheet and like a whole video of like here exactly in this spot is where I assaulted this person. Mm -hmm. And here is where I assaulted the other one. And this spot right here is where I assaulted this third person. And I did it all with this weapon. And I'm just (laughs) like, I mean, I I, I want to see what happens. Like if I'm the lawyer, I'm just going, Yes, continue, please. Well, everybody knows that the NXT parking lot is is <laughs> it's the it's like the zone of no law. It's lawless land. Um, mm-hmm. So we we all know that and accept it. And even once you get inside the building of NXT, lots of that are in the on the borders of lawless as well. So, and that is that is Blair Davenport, who people might might know as B Priestley, who is Will Hospreys' uh, girlfriend. There you go. It all it all circles back around to to the way this show ended. Well, Jeff, tell the people where they can find you. On Twitter at IcarusFellND, uh here on the PWC, uh apparently with or without Jimmy T. Um and we also cross-pollinate with the Mighty Humming Media Group, which works with Channel Attitude, and uh, we do Uncaged on that. I did a double episode this week, which took only an hour because it was a solo show, and frankly, one of the episodes of Uncaged was not a, was not even an AEW television show, in my opinion. Um, and we do Smack Attack every Saturday uh, with John N. Wright. It's it, the Sinister Minister show. Um, Hammerlock Hangover, there should be a new uh, episode. Actually, it should be dropping tonight. Steve said he's dropping it tonight. We recorded a couple days ago. Um, so we're getting more regular on that, and he's not running for re-election, so hopefully we'll get back to a once-a-week schedule. 
Uh, I want to say congrats to Drew Yari. He had his 300th show tonight. So I've, I went on there and spent 30 minutes with them. And of course, my, my babies, my twins are Garden of Doom and Garden Views. Um, and uh, they are also on the PWC network. They are also on the Hameen Media Group. Um, so check those out. Garden of Doom is sort of cryptids, things that go bump in the night, theosophy, uh, religion, mythology, history, alternate history, just all sorts of stuff. Where my, wherever my curious little mind will take me in, where I can find guests. And Garden Views tends to be a little bit more topical, a little bit more, uh, uh, less, less woo-woo and, and more legal, business, tech, science, um, stuff like that. So uh, check those shows out. I think you'll like them. You know, And I prefer to listen to myself at one and a half speed, too. I, I I think the shows are great, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for if you're looking for somebody to give you a a, a boost, I am always happy to give you a boost on those shows, Jeff. They're fantastic. Right. Um, as far as myself, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Chris Ams One. Uh, you can go there to read everything I have to say about pro wrestling, politics, and whatever the hell com- else comes to my mind. Um, you can find me here on the PWC, where we do a number of shows, um, including. Not uh, not exclusively, but definitely the cream of the crop, uh, the cream of the crop, uh, <clears throat> uh, the skirmish, uh, which we love and which uh, which you're listening to right now. You can also find me on a number of shows on the Hami Media Group and ChannelAttitude.com, including the Next Level podcast this week, where I recorded with Brandon and the Vet, and uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, the vet gave us a whole intro about, about it being the impact attack, which was great. And I had to go, uh, <laughs> vet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, good stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find me doing all kinds of stuff like that. As Jeff said, I'm also on the, uh, the smack attack. I keep saying we need to do a snack attack one of these days. Cause it's just, I want to talk about beef jerky for I'm an there. hour. I'm there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, For Jeff Lippman, I've been Christopher Ams. You have been a wonderful audience. Thank you for listening. Good night. Goodbye. Ole. Jeff. Stay evil, my friends.